Hello everyone, welcome to ESPN Scrum 5, ESPN's podcast review of the Southern Hemisphere Rugby. I'm Andy Withers, joined once again by Sam Bruce. Hello Sam, how are you? G'day Andy, yeah, uh, thrilled to be back for another edition of uh, Scrum 5 with a special guest. Yes, a special guest, the one and only Tom Carter, former New South Wales Waratahs Centre, now player coach with Sydney University. Hello Tom, how are you going? Hey guys, thanks very much for having me along this morning. Yeah, really looking forward to it and uh, let's kick straight into it and uh, we've got plenty to roll on and the first point we've got is the Chiefs and, and and Sam, how good are they going? I mean, they've just been around the world from New Zealand to South Africa to Argentina and flights on tiny planes and unbeaten. They've come back with, well, a whole team out, basically injured, and put up one of the performances of the season to absolutely rubbish Western Force. Yeah, well, Andy, I think the first thing you've got to say is travel factor. What travel factor? Uh, as you mentioned, uh, to South Africa and then on to Argentina, uh, the final flight where they cram- crammed into three planes, I believe, from uh, Sao Paulo to Buenos Aires. Uh, did away with the Jaguars, finishing over the top of them with a try in about the 77th minute, and then came back and, um, you know, put the, the cleaners through the Western Force, who, you know, have the ability to frustrate and uh, infuriate in, in equal measure. So, yeah, really fine performance for them getting back to Hamilton last week. Uh, Damian McKenzie, probably the form player of the tournament, I think you'd have to say, at the moment. Uh, brilliant there at the back. Their pack's going well. Charlie Nartai being mentioned as, you know, probably the leading candidate yep. for a spot in the All Blacks midfield following the departures of Ma Nonu and uh, Conrad Smith. So, yeah, they've definitely asserted themselves as probably the team to beat uh, after five weeks of Super Rugby. Yeah. And, and Tom, I'd like to get your thoughts on here, because obviously you, you'll you're now the, the director of, of human performance, consulting teams and athletes on uh, on their physical capabilities. What sort of, how difficult would it have been for the Chiefs to recover after that that round the world trip in, in in two weeks to go back to Hamilton and produce a, a performance of that quality? Yeah, look, it obviously clearly reflects on the type of shape that they're in, that they're able to a lose so many players, but b play such a vibrant game of football, um, high energy regardless of where it is in the world and I think that it clearly shows the development programs they've got in place but also I suppose um, their model of athletic performance um, is world class because I think the effect over time, it's more the residual effect, um, certainly can get you in Super Rugby but they've obviously dispelled that myth and Michael Checker did a great thing I think with the Waratahs probably uh, removing that as an excuse for performance you know, mm-hmm. regarding travelling but, but I think obviously you know, what they're doing uh, at the Chiefs is something very special. And, and I guess, Tom, that, you know, could there possibly be a, a, a physical letdown after they've maintained that performance for one week? They've then had another week, and obviously they're, they're travelling over to Canberra this week to play the Brumbies. Yeah, I think so, but I think Dave Rennie's a pretty incredible operator in that regard. That, and I think they have a really strong identity of, of who they are and what they want to stand for and how they play. And I think that that provides something greater than the players to think, oh, well, I'm fatigued. I don't think they genuinely want to let the, the Chiefs jersey down or their teammates. So, um, look, I think if they were to get beaten by Canberra in Canberra this weekend, I don't think they'd turn around and say it's a physical um, reason. And I think that that's probably the key to recovery, it's multifactorial, you know, the sleep, um, your nutrition, how hard you train, how you sleep, all these things, and I think in sport, sports science has done some incredible things, but I think sometimes we probably overcomplicate it as well and use it as an excuse not to perform, um, and I'll probably dare say the Chiefs have just gone 
along uh, this year in their Super Rugby campaign and said there is no excuse and that's uh, showing on the way they're playing on the field. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we, we can never uh, underestimate the value of, of mentality. And uh, Sam, you spoke to, to Dave Rennie earlier in the year. Um, the, the fact that he's, he's lost 12 of 13 players injured, he's lost a... a, a a number of his big name players for this year that on paper the Chiefs aren't the team that they were last year and is there a better coach going around in how he keeps a team regenerating and refreshing and and staying at the top. Certainly not in uh, in Super Rugby, Andy. I don't think uh, one of those things I asked him in the uh, in the preseason was about that that huge squad turnover that they've had from last year, and of course missing a, a couple of guys to, away on sevens duty at times, Sonny Bill Williams and, and Liam Mesum and others. And uh, yeah, just really interesting. Took uh, the new players away for a little um, nature camp, almost if you like, <laughs> where they sat around the bushfire and and told stories and had a few yarns and, and really sort of drummed in what it was to be a Chiefs player, the culture of the place, more so than talking rugby. This was before the uh, the wider squad came back for training and took them away for three days out in the bush, really getting to know one another. And, you know, you'd have to say that after five weeks, it's had a pretty good effect because the guys have come into the squad have done a fantastic job so far. Yeah, they, they really have. And I guess from that game, Tom, I'll come back to you, is that the other side of the coin was, was the Western Force. And, you know, right now... they. They they seem to be struggling quite badly and uh, and you know you 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 wonder as well. It was mentioned in commentary that that perhaps they're not even playing for the full eighty minutes now. That and that's something that can, can never previously have been um, levelled at them as an accusation. A, a great stat that they're yet to score a point in in the opening twenty minutes of, of any half in, in this season. Are those sort of stats and, and feelings? From your experience as a player, you know, at the top level with with the Tars and and now with with Uni, um, are those sort of things? Do, do they weigh on your mind as a player? Oh, look, I think that it's uh, you know it's very easy to sit from the outside and pass judgment on what they're doing over there. So you know, I was once a player and felt so heavily scrutinised. But I think it lends back to your comments about the Chiefs. I think Australian rugby, um, obviously, with the struggle that. Um, appears to be going on in Canberra with their administration and then you hear rumours about the Western Force or um, regarding their financial position. It's clearly evident to me that they need to centralise um, an athletic performance, uh, a structural governance of the game similar to New Zealand where there's a greater funnel of talent coming through the system. So I think Super Rugby's done incredible, a lot of good things with this game but we've obviously expanded and the question remains, do we have the talent to fill five teams effectively given injuries, given the competition's gone longer? Now, the Western Force has some incredible junior players coming through. Um, I think they're trying to play football, but I think the one thing this competition's showing is, is that it's actually not necessarily a team that holds the ball the longest, wins the game or scores the most tries. I, mean, I think you've seen the Highlanders and Chiefs just be so dynamic and vibrant off turnover ball that I think that this multi-phase hold the ball, which Australian rugby during the McQueen era and Checkers brought back through, holds them in good stead at times. If you turn the ball over, you're very vulnerable to the counter-attack. And I think that the Chiefs and the Highlanders are proving to everyone that if you're electric on turnover ball, you're going to be very hard to beat. Yeah, very very much so. I mean, you've mentioned there about the the, the talk of the the depth in Australian rugby, and obviously you're you're now playing at, at, at Sydney Uni in Shoot Shield. What's what's you've got that great experience at that level down? Um, 
What's your thoughts about the the, the depth of, of Australian rugby? Are the, the the players coming through? Yeah, I think they are. I definitely think the gene pool or talent pool's there. The greatest challenge is those to get them in environments where they learn how to be a professional athlete. So they've got to learn to recover. They've got to learn to train really hard. They've got to have that consistency to how they review their games and how they apply their skill. And I just think New Zealanders um, tend to, at the moment, do it significantly better than us. Their players go into their system a couple of years early, whether it be through their 20s program or they go into the ITM Cup NPC, um, and they're all... I guess filtered through to the professional teams. They know what's expected of them from a conditioning perspective. They understand um, what they need to do to work on their skills. And I think that that's the difference between New Zealand and Australia at the moment. And you're seeing it in a post-World Cup year is that they're producing so many players that have emerged from the clouds or from nowhere because they've been in those systems and they've done the time and they've done the work. And look, I, I'm fortunate enough to work in cricket a little bit with some of Australia's players. Um, and, you know, some of them do eight, nine, ten-year apprenticeships at the first-class level before they play for Australia. So I think if you were to, you know, the 10,000-hour 10, 10, rule of skill acquisition or training or um, athletic development, if you were to look at that, I think the New Zealanders are just further advanced than we are at this stage. Yeah. Tom, what about getting players to go across to the Western Force, say, from Sydney? I mean, in your experience, I don't know, maybe you were approached at, at one time by the Force and you obviously speak with the guys around uni. I'm sure there's been a few players there who've maybe had the opportunity to go over but have decided to stay in, in New South Wales to, to chase a spot in the Waratahs. I mean, how big a decision is that? Oh, look, I think that the Western Force are doing, you know, Mark Sindri is a great um, business administrator or sports administrator, so I think that the setup over there is really good. I think the greatest chance for them is, is that they probably don't just play enough football at a high level. Obviously, Super Rugby, they play really well. Um, then they've got that exposure to the NRC. But it's the developing tier guys. And this is the whole argument. Do you send guys back to, to New South Wales Club Rugby where 70% of Super Rugby players are produced? Or do you keep them in the local competition to grow the game, which Melbourne um, and, uh, I guess... Uh, the force are trying to do and it's a great challenge because I think you have to grow your game locally as well but also you need to be getting your players that level of exposure um, and I think that until Australia has a genuine think tank about how do we get um, the best outcome for the players and the game uh, we'll consistently have this problem where you know um, teams will struggle for consistency year in year out I mean two years ago the Western Force nearly made the finals um, you know they've often beaten the Waratahs so, um, yeah, I, I, I think Australian rugby genuinely needs to think about it, but not only from a performance perspective, but for the long-term viability of the game. I don't think financially we can afford to have teams um, filling stadiums and, and, I guess, growing the game. It's a post-World Cup year, and Michael Check has done an extraordinary job, and I think we need to keep that uh, momentum and energy going. Absolutely, and, and certainly I think that given the, the, the stories we have all heard about Western Force, and it, it, it's a story that's probably going to keep rumbling, I, I guess. And Let's get on to point three, guys, because it's a, a, a little bit of uh, back to the action. And um, I guess one of the things here that we'd like to talk about is what's happened to the Waratah scrum? Where's it gone? It's um, Sam, our, our uh, colleague, a guy we used to work with quite closely, Brett McKay, um, he tweeted over the weekend that has it disappeared with Sakopi Kapu and Mario Ledesma when when they left the, the, the club in the postseason. Um, we've obviously got reports as well on uh, on Wednesday morning with, with Ben Robinson saying training's been lacklustre. Um, 
what, what's happening there in, in that set place? It's such an important part of the game and it, it's just disappeared for the Waratahs. Well, that's a pretty massive admission, you'd have to say, from Ben Robertson declaring that um, that training you know, hasn't been up to the standards that they've set over the last few years. So that's got to be a massive concern for, for Waratahs coach uh, Daryl Gibson and the forwards coach there, or scrum coach, uh, Cam Blades. Um, certainly, you've, you've almost got to think that Sakopi Kepu has been the biggest loss of any uh, Australian franchise, certainly. Um, that Waratah scrum was such a weapon over the last few years, and um, he managed to hold up and, and really assert the Wallaby scrum at the World Cup, um, apart from you know just about every game, apart from Argentina, when they got dusted up a little bit in the semi-final there. But, um, yeah, they've got some real problems. A, a penalty try there against Queensland on the weekend, and you know the Reds probably had claims to, to have another. Um, this week, the Rebels scrum is probably not as strong as as the Reds, but you'd think they'd fancy themselves just for the mere fact that the Tar scrum has really been disintegrating under pressure. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, if they're going to be um, factors in this competition going forward, that's something they've got to write uh, pretty quickly. Yeah, and, and Tom, are you, are you surprised that, that a player such as Ben Robinson would come out in, in an interview with, with uh, AAP and quite honestly with that appraisal say that, that, that training in the forwards and in the pack has been lacklustre? Is that a, a surprising admission? Uh, no, I think it's probably taken a little bit out of context in the sense that I think, you know, the energy that Ledesma and Checker provided last year um, it might not be the same this year to the same level, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily uh, worse or it's wrong. And I think, you know, when Ben Robinson gets fit and then the emergence of Tom Robinson, he'll genuinely be um, a superstar of the game of rugby if he can stay injury-free. I think you'll see the Waratahs pack perform really strongly. I, I think the hardest thing for the Waratahs is, is that is the frustration of that they're probably not playing as well as they did in the last two years. And I, th- I, th- I think you see that creep into their game, you know, with the number of passes they're probably trying to push. I think that they're not too far away from a really, really good performance, um, which will put to bed a lot of the anxiety and doubt. And, and for some of these young kids, that's probably all they need. You know, I think David Hoyt has done a really good job this year playing 12. And, look, there's a lot of excitement and a lot of uh, hope and optimism there. And I just think... Hopefully Ben Robinson can get fit, um, and then you know they can fix those scrum problems, so they can launch the ball and play some footy. But I don't think it's as bad as everyone says it is. I'm sure that's a, a line that the Waratahs fans, in particular, if not and, and indeed the Waratahs, are, are very much going to be uh, happy to hear. Sam, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about the impressive physicality of the Australian game, um, and that was before obviously they started playing the New Zealand teams and. And going overseas, um, it seems not to be quite as physical in the past couple of weeks. Do you think that is potential cause for concern? I think the force have probably certainly fallen away a little in that area, and uh, and maybe the rebels as well. But I, I think you'd have to say the Waratahs Reds clash on Sunday was was pretty physical, and uh, I'm sure Bernard Foley's uh, carrying a few bumps and bruises <laughs> following that one. Um, welcome back, Bernie. Uh, so yeah, look, it's probably dropped off a little across. Across the board, you'd have to say, and, and a good opportunity for the Waratahs and Rebels to certainly go out and, and get stuck into each yep. other this coming Sunday at, um, at Allianz Stadium. Yeah, and Tom, if we, we go on to the, the, the Melbourne Rebels there, um, you know, obviously they're, they're next up for the, 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 the Waratahs. Um, they had plenty of chances against the Highlanders last week, and pretty much I think it's fair to say that they failed to threaten the line. Um, are they short of one or two X-Factor players? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think last year's stats that, you know, the Melbourne Rebels and the Western Force were, in terms of ruck and mall stats, I think they had 
top, was certainly in the top three or four for ball retained. And I just think at this level now, and the way the competition's going is that holding the ball's not necessarily uh, the key to winning games of football. So, I mean, you're talking about the Highlanders, for example. They've obviously got those X-Factor in their background, and then they've got Naharlow and uh, Osborne on the wings. Um, I think the Rebels were probably tactically beaten there. Um, the Highlanders played a very smart kicking game. Tony Brown's obviously a wonderful coach. Um, and then they're able to express themselves when they get the football. So, I mean, I think you talk about X Factor. I think it's being able to get the balls in the right part of the ball in the right part of the field um, and then play your game. But look, you know, Mitch Hinman, Dom Shipley, um, they've got some wonderful ball carriers down there. I think it's just about getting those guys the opportunity uh, to express themselves at the right parts of the field. Um, I think it's easy to sit there and say you don't have the players or the X Factor, uh, but the tactics and strategy behind it probably need to be, uh, uh, I guess, examined a little bit deeper. Absolutely. Tom, do you think there's a noticeable uh, change in mentality between Australia and New Zealand? Uh, the fact you mentioned earlier the Highlanders and the, the Chiefs have been so good on turnover ball. Is that just a willingness to run on turnover ball and perhaps the Australian sides it's more of a kick, more of a safety option on, on turnover ball? Oh, no, look, I think you've seen it with the way Daryl Gibson's added so much to the Waratahs game over the last three or four years. I just think that they get really comfortable playing football and playing with each other. And you see those type of tries all the time in ITM Cup. I think it's the way they coach um, and it's the way they develop their systems about playing footy. And I think that they genuinely see um, turnover ball as an opportunity to play. Uh, whereas perhaps Australian psyche is, well, we've got a turnover ball, let's kick it downfield. Or, you know, it's an opportunity to, I guess... Um, uh, probably become a little bit conservative and, and that's the hardest thing you know the Waratahs are trying to play this vibrant um, uh, high octane football and it's just not quite coming off at the moment and then everyone I guess gets a little bit critical saying oh the Waratahs are struggling but I think it's the endeavour and the intent to want to consistently play um, and then I think it's about obviously coaching and developing the skill set within players to be able to play that way. Uh, I mean, everyone's talking about Aaron Cruden's try last week that he set up or, and scored. It's just absolutely ridiculous, the type of skills, um, vision and, and football that some of the Chiefs players are able to play at times. And uh, it's an absolute pleasure to watch and it's great for the game, but I think it takes time to develop that. And it also takes time to feel comfortable to express yourself. I think we're so heavily scrutinised out here as players I definitely think players going to their shell uh, probably become a little bit conservative for fear of failure um, and fear of repercussions for not executing. Yeah, well, they're, they're really good points. Uh, uh, and I guess, guys, we'll, um, we'll finish up with, with the Chiefs um, back in uh, in Canberra. Um, Sam, the, the Brumbies are, are back home. Uh, and given what's happened off-field, uh, they might not, might not be glad to be back home, um, given that they were, were pretty... Reasonably sheltered from it all the, the past uh, the past couple of weeks. How's this going to shape up? I mean, this is really is a, a, a bit of a, a playoff preview, I guess, for it from what we've seen so far in the season. Certainly looks that way, Andy. Uh, you mentioned the Brumbies off-field distractions, and and this will be a real test of their of their culture and their setup down there. Whether they can, you know, avoid that. It's a pretty small place, Canberra, as we know. Um, and this has just been these huge these uh, developments with Michael Jones. I think they're back in court today. Um, and I think the injunction's just been upheld again. Um, so watch this space on that. But, um, you know, they've certainly got the senior players there and the setup, the coaching setup, to just be able to really bunker down and, and focus on this week's game against the Chiefs. Um, coming back from South Africa with a good win yeah, over the Cheetahs sure. at the weekend, yeah. where they, you know, they controlled the game for 
all but the last sort of 15 to 20 minutes, I suppose, and, um, you know, reasonably injury-free as well. Um, so they're in a good position to really take it up to the Chiefs and, and perhaps, you know, they, um, as, as we've spoken about here, if they really watch the, the Chiefs on, on turnover ball and, and limit the ball that they give away and, and obviously they've got one of the best breakdown uh, players going around in, in David Pocock, so I'm sure they won't give up as many opportunities as the Force did last week. Um, really excited to watch this one on Saturday night. Yeah, it's, it is going to be a cracking game. Tom, how, how do you see this one going? Oh, look, he's had a great contrast to styles. I think, you know, the Brumbies have certainly tried to play a little bit more uh, football this year, and Stephen Larkin's obviously a great mastermind of the game. And then you've got Dave Rennie, who'll want to play a lot of football. Um, I think it'll be very um, intriguing to see how the Chiefs can nullify Pocock. He's clearly, obviously, carried on his World Cup form and been an outstanding player. I think four turnovers on Saturday night. Um, so the Brumbies will try and slow the ball down at the breakdown um, and try and frustrate the Chiefs. Um, and then, obviously, the Chiefs will try and wait for the opportunity to play football off turnover footy against the Brumbies. So I genuinely think whoever wins this game, it'll be a real firm marker for a team that'll be there deep in the competition because, uh, you know, the Chiefs can win this game. It's probably been, well, they probably highlighted as their toughest period during the competition. They can win in Canberra. Um, you've got to be a very, very good football side. And I think history shows that, you know, the Waratahs, um, you know, have been able to win there a little bit more consistently of late. But if you can win down there against the Brumby side, it'll be full of confidence with a really good win up in uh, Bloemfontein against the Cheetahs. Uh, I think it'll go a long way um, for a team to uh, secure themselves a semi-final spot, even though it's only around six. So, uh, oh, a great game, and I think one for um, that would divide the purists of the game. You know, those who want to see football being played versus those that love defensive contests. Um, breakdown. Um, I think it'll be a really, really good game and, and, and one I look forward to watching. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're all in agreement that we're looking forward to, to watching that. And uh, I guess, Sam, for us to be reporting the, 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 the match for uh, ESPN.com.au over the weekend. Thank you very much, guys. That's all we have time for this week. It's always a pleasure uh, bringing you ESPN Scrum 5. Tom Carter, thank you very much for your time joining us for the first time and uh, hope you've enjoyed the experience and we really look forward to, to having you back sometime. Thanks so much, guys. It was great. And thank you, Sam. Thanks for your time as always and uh, we'll be back in the chair next week. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. 